Hello and welcome to Between Two Cairns. I'm Yochai. Hi, I'm Brad. And hi, I'm Amanda. Hi, Amanda. <laughs> You're so enthusiastic. I love that. Okay, okay, good. I was surprised. Hey, you um, gotta go for it. You know what I'm always saying, man. That's hot. You got. You gotta go for it. <laughs> okay. You know? Um. So we are very fortunate to have uh, our good friend Amanda P, who has uh, been on our podcast. Actually, were you our first guest, Amanda? I can't. That's recall. that's our job to know, and the answer is yeah. You, I don't remember, yeah. but I think no. So. I think she was because we did that um, Desert Moon of Karth together, yeah, which was like our fourth episode. So Amanda, welcome back. Uh, <laughs> it's been a while, and um, we're really happy to have you. For those who don't know, by the way, Amanda is the creator of uh, Tanic, which is a forest adventure for both Karen and Old School Essentials, um, as well as uh, a number of other. Uh, adventures and even a, a kind of solo journal journaling game um we're both brad and i are both big fans of amanda and also good friends with her so um welcome welcome and uh today we're going to be reviewing actually i should probably let you talk <laughs> let me just back up um so welcome amanda i'll i'll leave it at that i feel very welcome don't worry <laughs> <laughs> nice, Thank you. nice, Thank you. nice gap there you left for some conversation. Thanks, you You're think, nailing it today. I know. I'm sorry, Amanda. What's hot? What's cracking? Huh? What's the hottest thing out there right now? That's my question for you. Interview question number one. What's hot? What's cracking? What and what's the hottest thing out there? Answer. Go. I mean, I'm going to be honest. I've been watching a lot of reality television lately, so oh, yeah. I've just it's a lot of been a lot of garbage up in keeping here, it real. But- yeah, but uh, I took got a book about ghost towns of the of the Pine Barrens from the library because I'm working on something right now. New Jersey, so, yeah, Jersey. So it's like a I just got like a stack of like books about pine forests, and I was like, yes. And I think my librarians might think I'm like a very strange person because my my holds are always so weird. Like I had I took out like a Roman martyrology a while ago, and so <laughs> and it was just like a list. I didn't realize it, but when I got the book, it was just a list. Like one at a time of saints, and then how they died horribly in Rome. So I was like, "All right," <laughs> it was written in like the '60s. So that cool. might not be the hottest because it's from the '60s before I was born, but it is what I got cooking. That's good. Great question. Question for the librarians that are listening. If we have any librarians, do you think we are weird little freaks for what we reserve? On interlibrary loan. Is that something that goes through your head? I think there's probably worse for worse little freaks out there than than uh, Pine Barren enthusiasts. You know what I mean? I, I have to say something. I, yeah. I've i never been to the Pine Barrens, but I own these I was, cranberry boxes. I was really afraid I, you were going to say you've never been to the library. And I was like, no, let's go let's go get you a library card, buddy. <laughs> I've been to the libraries yeah. before. I was gonna, what I was trying to say was I have a number of cranberry boxes that have... Uh, owe their origin to the Pine Barrens because apparently there were a bunch of early cranberry bogs there or something. Uh, so I've noticed that when I, you know, I get these, I get these cranberry boxes and then I, I sort of sand them down so that they don't hurt the books I put in them. And are I you buying, think, sorry, are you buying them as a box or are you, do you buy cranberries by the, I, by I, the crate? I buy the, bo- I buy the box from okay. like the Amish. And what will happen is that they'll have these, they're the, they're old. Like they're from like the thirties and forties and they'll have these really old advertisements for different cranberry bogs that don't exist anymore that I'll just destroy. And, um, 
some of them have come from New Jersey. That I, I, specifically the Pine Barrens. That's all I'm saying. Or South yeah. Jersey, I guess. Have wow. you ever We're, watched a bram- cranberry bog get flooded to to harvest the cranberries? Or you can look it up on YouTube. It's very cool. It's like just swim, like dudes right? in galoshes like walking around, yeah. yeah, and like gathering cranberries and like putting. It's very neat. I like. Uh, I've seen that on a, an ocean spray commercial, you know, and I'm like, what's going on there? You know, it really gets me. You know. They're a cooperative. Now, the thing is... Really going deep today with cranberry and box talk. <laughs> yeah. I think we're hitting um, well, all the notes. We haven't, I think, okay, let me introduce uh-huh. what we're actually talking about today, which is... You got a job on a... Gar- you got a job on the garbage barge. My goodness. Uh, yeah, we are reviewing... You got it. I can't do it. Do you, let me do it, You'll dude. It. You yeah. got a job on the garbage barge by the... The amazing Amanda Lee Frank. That's right. Yeah, there we go. Well done, Amanda P. Uh, Yeah, so that is what we are going to be talking about. But first, uh, let's answer a question from the Mootsack. Well, hold on a second, because I want to talk about Amanda's got a Amanda's got something cooking here. Oh, oh, I thought you wanted to do that at the end. Normally, we do that. No, 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 no. You don't. No, no. you save the good stuff for the beginning. That's not how we've done it. Dessert first. That's how I do it. Let's talk about what Amanda's got cooking. Amanda, you got something cooking. You're working on an adventure, right? It's a mothership thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Tell, oh, tell us about it. Tell the people about it. So I have an adventure coming out with Space Penguin, which is Jared Crater's imprint, uh, called Resonant. And so it is about a space colony um, that's being controlled by a large, uh, basically, private military corporation. And... The challenges that the adventure, like adventurers, will come across there because of an, like an ancient microorganism that gets awakened by a collapsing dam, uh, reservoir, and there's a lot of crab stuff in it. Lots of carcinization. Uh, We love that. We we love crab stuff. Yeah. So I've I've seen it. Yochai's seen it. Right. Mm -hmm. We like it. It's good. I'm telling the people right now. This is hot. This is some some hot buttery jam to put on your your toast right here. All right. Yeah. Crab jam. I'm excited. Yeah, yeah. No, it's I'm excited to see it in its in its final form. I've seen it in Yeah. I've seen obviously art from it, but I've also seen a lot of the actual writing. Uh looks great and can't wait to see it. Uh let me ask you a question. When you were initially uh I guess pitching this idea, was it always mothership or was it um something else initially? It was mothership. Yeah, because I just was like, I want to try to write a mothership thing. I was like, yeah, and then and I was like, all right, let's you know, I've written Tannic, I wrote Pilgrimage of the Sun Guard, so I went like super Arthurian and what Brad likes to call my my regular genre, which is like medieval gay romantic fantasy. (laughs) 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 I'm bringing that to the OSR, um, OSR, but um, and so I was Uh like, let's like stretch a little, let's do something Uh different, and so. I decided to make a mothership yes. module. I can't say that sci-fi horror is my normal genre, right? And so, well, that, that's why I was asking is because it did kind of seem so. I mean, it's great, obviously. We all love mothership, but it just didn't seem like a Amanda P classic genre it, it, based on what I knew. But I, you're constantly surprising me, so yeah, that's right. Don't don't put Amanda P in a box. I always say that, especially in a cranberry you know? box. You know. Yeah, not in a cranberry box. Uh, yeah, I feel like we've already heard enough about these cranberry boxes. I mean, the irony is that I really don't like cranberries. I do. So. They're great. But I also am like a heathen, and I like the cranberry uh, 
uh, sauce that's like the can. I like that can oh, shape. Disgusting. I like the can shape too. Yeah. yeah. So, um, <laughs> it does. <laughs> there's a there's um a, a term in Yiddish for um stuff non Jews like and 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 like Thanksgiving style foods, Christmas style foods fit that it's. Well, when you apply when you apply like a healthy dose of like sugar and nostalgia to trash, it becomes good. It's true. You know what I mean? I feel like that's like the foundation of most popular films in the last ten years and a pretty good chunk of American culture. So like, uh, you're stuck with it. You know what I mean? That's it. It's okay. When I go to my in laws, I'm the only one for Thanksgiving or whatever. I'm the only one who eats it, and so they just kind of put it on a plate for me, and they're like, "Here you go." And, and so it's this like family of Irish, uh, like Irish, like family members all looking at me like we've given Amanda the cranberry sauce. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> well, OK, respectfully, I've, I've, I've talked enough about cranberries today. I don't want to no. talk any more about your boxes. Yochai. Like, please, let's stop with that. Um, let's move on, please. Respectfully. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so let's move on to a mailbag bag. Mail, mailbag slash moot sack question. Yeah. This 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 comes into the moot sack, which you can reach at between two Karens at gmail.com. This is from Squishy Mage42. I think actually this came in through Discord. Okay. Anyhow. Uh question for the podcast. Where's the weirdest place you found inspiration for either a written adventure or a quest in your home game? The way this starts, like where's the weirdest place sounds like it's like a, a dating game kind of show. You know what I mean? Where you know, it's like, I don't know. I don't know where that was going to go. But then uh, we, we got there. Where's the weirdest place you found inspiration? Amanda, what do you think about that? You, you're writing adventures. Where are you getting inspiration? Where, where's the crab stuff coming from? The crab stuff? Where did the crab stuff come from? I was, well, I was reading about Havant. I was like, that adventure is so weird. The crab stuff, I think someone told me about carcinization. And I was like, I just sounded like very strange. And then I was reading, I like reading conspiracy theory stuff because I find it interesting. And so I had listened to a conspiracy uh, theory podcast about um, Havana syndrome. And so I was like, really, I was like reading about that and I was, and infrasound and things. And I was like, these concepts are all very strange to me. So what if we put them in a big soup? And so most of the time when I'm writing adventures, it's that. I think one of the weirder things I've taken inspiration from for an NPC for my home game was, you know, when you go to the eye doctor and they have that big black metal thing <laughs> that they put over your face and they adjust I, all the little lenses. I love that thing. That thing yeah. so I based cool. an yeah. NPC off of that once, just like, and I, I, uh, he was a metal, what did I make? I named him, he was like some sort of like metallurgist mage. And so he just had this weird little rotting house and he made little, um, he forged a magneto helmet for one of my, uh, player characters <laughs> and he just was like a weird like a weird little guy because i love weird little guys <laughs> hey yeah that's okay nice. okay enough good. Very enough good. of this brad pandering yeah. no brad, this is what brad and i talk about with you all the time you're always like oh yeah. my god yeah, yeah. <laughs> little weird little freaks weird yeah. little freaks yeah uh, i i love those those eye pieces because they are the most steampunk thing that we currently have you know, they just, they just got lenses. They look like mirror made of brass or whatever. They, they, they fit on your head. Like, I, I don't know. They're, they're really cool. Tubas, yeah, tubas are also good. pretty steampunk, but tubas <laughs> and the eye doctor thing. Yeah, that's what we got. I mean, you could have a guy who plays the tuba and also wears also that wears thing. That. And then, there it is. I mean, okay. Wait, okay. That's wait, real talk, real talk, because I know Amanda, you once also lived in the Boston area. I did. Did you ever attend honk? Did I ever attend Honk? Yes. 
What is honk? Uh, honk is a completely unique phenomenon. It is basically for like four days, brass bands from around the world descend upon Boston, specifically um, Somerville and Cambridge, but mostly Somerville. And they just take over and they wear insane clothing. I would, I would say they're very steampunk the way that they dress and everyone dresses differently. Like you'll have bands dressing like bees and bands dressing like time travelers. And there is no logic. It is the most anarchic thing. Like I, I once found on a table in Davis square, a massive wedding cake with a giant knife sticking out of it and no one minding it. It's just cake for people to eat while the festival is going on. And they shut down Mass Ave, which is this main thoroughfare, and they just walk up and down having parades and playing music. And and I, I don't know how else to explain it. It's just a completely crazy thing. The thing is, they're yeah. not even just regular marching bands. They're activist marching bands, which means there's lots I, of activist marching bands. <laughs> All over are the they land. Com- are they competing or are they just showing up to, to honk for a while? I don't know. There's no, no, there's no competition. There's no anything. There's no formal it's, anything. It's just, hey, we're going to invite like 50 activist brass band, marching band, okay. whatever. Okay. And they're just going to do whatever they want for a couple of days. And it's funded through grants, <laughs> apparently. Um, but yeah, I, huh. I, I, I love it. I love honk. I think it's so crazy. It, there are so few things in life. That are this anarchic. It's just, yeah. there's no organizational structure there. There's no, I mean, I'm sure there are people orga- who organize it, but there's no like, here on this day, we're doing this. There's nothing like that. Right. It's just, it's just chaos all day for four days. It's, and it's in the middle of an urban center, which is quite weird. I'm cool with that. Wait, so, uh, I'm done with Hawk. Brad, Brad doesn't want to talk about Hawk marching bands anymore. <laughs> okay. No, I'm saying, okay, now I know what Honk is. I don't understand how we got here. Oh, got it. Yeah. Are you inspired by, by Honk? By the way, Honk this year was last week and I didn't go. Um, uh, so uh, the reason I'm mentioning it is because we were talking about steampunk. Is that <laughs> What was the reason? There was a reason. Uh, we we talked about ago. steampunk and we talked about the, because I brought up the eyeglass. Got thing. it. Oh, right, right. So anyhow, I don't remember how we even got here. I just wanted to mention that Honk is awesome and Amanda would know what it was. Um, and it is, uh, it was formation. It was a, a formative, formative experience yeah. for me to it. One to thing to, to add before we close yeah. this, the thing is called a faux raptor. The thing you put, yeah, I just looked <laughs> it up. Great name. A great really name. Great. That doesn't. A faux raptor. That's what is. Okay. <laughs> it sounds like a, something from Dune. Yeah. Faux raptor. Oh yeah. Inspirations. So Brad. Wh- wh- yeah. Wh- what, what kind of real life inspirations have you found that were quite strange or unusual? Um, I mean, I'm mostly inspired by like the little, the quiet, uh, like the, the little quiet micro traumas of my life, like rats living in my yard or like snaking my bathroom drain for like, you know, hair. Um, I find like that stuff really gets into my adventures. Um, you know, not like real trauma, just like the little, the little itchy stuff that kind of gets in your subconscious. Um, yeah, let me think of some other good ones. Um, I don't know. Yeah, it's stuff like that. Like, yeah, rats and hair, I think is mostly <laughs> come back. There's a lot of, a lot of territory there. Um, yeah, little bugs, bug stuff. Um, you know, I feel like when you're a kid and like you live in a house, you're just like, oh, a house is a house and there's, it never has problems. Maybe, maybe it was just because, you know, I lived in the suburbs and, you know, I didn't, I wasn't exposed to problems. But you know, like when you, 
are an adult and you have a home now, it's like like when your bathroom sink isn't draining, it's kind of like, God, what what do we do? What do we all do here? You know what I mean? It's like <laughs> No, how do you use that for a game? I don't I don't know. I just feel like the little micro problems that make up a house that are invisible to an innocent child uh, all amount to a kind of weight of the world sometimes. You know what I mean? It all adds up. And that's just, that's the fertile ground, I think, for me to, to find inspiration. Yeah. I think I'd have to hear an example to really... Fall, well, it's like you read Fall of the House of Usher and you think uh-huh. maybe he just was really stressed out because uh, this Victorian house was in real bad shape. Yeah. Who was fixing <laughs> totally, those things? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like he found some water damage, you know, in a in the drywall, you like, know, of his bathroom. My God, what, what do I have to hire? Do I have to find a contractor? Like, what's this going to cost me? You know, you know, my washing machine has stopped working. Like, Jesus Christ, do I have to go to Sears? Does Sears even exist anymore? I got to go buy and you know, whatever. I don't see how those can be fertile ground, but if it works, I guess it works. I'm saying trauma that's not at the point where it's like real. <laughs> Like a real problem, you know what I mean? It's not like an actual trauma. It's not something that I need to process. It's just the kind of like itchy little thing that's just like. <laughs> I see. So then that's the, it. The niggle, that's it the right niggling there. doubts of middle class capitalism. That's that's Brad's trauma. Yes, like I have the luxury of being like mostly comfortable and unafraid. Mm. You know what I mean? So the little traumas that still wriggle into my mind. You know, I I get those in like a milking sack, you know, and I just suck out that juice. I'm like, this is the pain that I need. And that's this is the pain I deserve. Right I now. actually I, I I feel like Brad is actually kind of touching on something. You, uh, it's like the idea of it's something my spouse and I talk a lot about is there are some people who are just comfortable in life all the time. And so when you're writing yeah. adventures, you're writing situations that are like socially uncomfortable, physically very uncomfortable most of the yeah. people wouldn't be doing this job of adventuring and delving and things like that if things were going well. And so it's kind of putting yourself in the headspace of, uh, I'm in a, you know, I got to go get this stuff because, you know, it, if you're thinking like into the odd electric bastion land, I got all this debt or, right. yeah, things like that. And so, I, yeah, it doesn't mean that everybody who plays adventuring games is in a place where there are, they can't relate to like struggle. I think it's just like people, you know, like in any situation, people are coming at things from different life experiences. I think inspiration a lot of times comes from uh, like pain or unhappiness, right? Um, Personally, in the times of my life, which were the most painful, (laughs) it was hard to be creative, you know? It was hard to, in the moment, I'm saying, find a way to like be creative and create some set up some art from it, you know, because you're just trying to deal with your life. You know what I mean? And I find uh, for me personally, uh, I find my most fertile creative space is when I'm comfortable enough <laughs> that I can, uh, have time and space to be creative while also still finding pain in little stuff. You know what I mean? And I feel like, you know, if you, if you go there's a certain threshold. I'm going to call it like the Drake threshold where if you are Drake, you no longer have problems that I care about and you are boring. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think Drake is capable of making art that I'm interested in anymore because I think his problems are stupid and he keeps saying the same things again and again about his, you know, his stupid problems. 
you know, he's complaining about like, oh, a celebrity was mean to me once or like I had a bad vacation. Like, I don't care. Drake, come on. You know what I mean? You're not at my level, buddy. You're not finding water damage in some drywall in your bathroom, buddy. You know what I mean? You're not wondering how this is going to work, you know? Okay, so this is, if reference is really going to date me. There's this comedian, Sinbad, and he had, <laughs> he had this. <laughs> and so, no, but he used to say this thing, and it's like, uh-huh. I don't find comedians funny anymore once they're no longer riding the bus. Yeah, right? I mean, seriously. I've, I totally, yeah. I mean, sure. You can be funny while you're like a mega successful person, but it's it's harder. And I think it's probably, you have to like, Dig deeper or hire writers. You know what I mean? It's just, yeah, you're not. It's like, oh, uh, you know, I went to Noma and they screwed up my order or something. You know, it's like, I don't like you're not your problems aren't interesting. You know, we've really we've gone all over the place today. (laughs) What do you got? Yukai, do you have inspiration from weird places? Well, the weird part is what I how do I know what you think is weird? Well, maybe we don't use the word weird. It's like, and we can just. That's the wrong question. Yeah. Yeah. And you just say where, you know, what are things that. You know, I get inspiration from things I'm reading from experiences in life, which is pretty standard stuff. Although I think, I think the the stuff that scares me, if that helps, the stuff that scares me is like being in the woods at night, which I do sometimes. And uh, listening to things that I can't see. Like there is this animal in the woods right now that I can't identify that has this sort of um, hooting gorilla sound that it makes. And um, it's not a fisher cat. It's not an owl. It's not a cow. <laughs> no, there have, there have been <laughs> the, cows. The cry of the night cow. No, there have been cows um, that like get over there sometimes. And, and that kind of stuff. I like to think about the stuff that, that scares me, but I don't, yeah. I don't, um, I don't think that's weird. It's just that's that is what I drive. The things that make me feel uncomfortable going down the stairs in the dark when you're alone to the basement and not turning the light on. It's just standing there. That sort of stuff. Uh-huh. So yeah. that, that's not weird, but it's it is a useful source of inspiration to think about. Yeah. Uh, you, you ever seen that movie, The Babadook? No. It's a- uh, I read the Wikipedia synopsis a couple times and I enjoyed what I read. That's how I engage with a lot of horror movies. I watch the trailer and read the Wikipedia and I'm like, dang, that was that was spooky. Yeah, I, you know? I, so I, I like I like horror, but I don't like most horror. I, and I'm not saying this in like a hipster way. I just don't happen to yeah. like I don't like any kind of body horror, for example. But I do mm-hmm. like, you know, It Follows, The Babadook, uh, The Vigil, uh-huh. stuff like that. And The Babadook is really good at tapping into that feeling of going down to the basement when you're alone and you can feel air in the back of your neck, you know, that kind of thing. And yeah, uh, yeah. so I appreciate when I'm scared. I, I yeah. like to, I like to think about that, but I'm not like a, I'm not, um, it's not a thrills thing. I'm not trying to get, you know, not, I hate, I hate rides. I just like to know that I'm, uh-huh. that I'm in peril, you know? Yeah. That's all. That's my answer. Yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, uh, all right. we can move on. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. So um, for our main review, we are going to be talking about You Got a Job on the Garbage Barge. Nailed it. Finally. Uh, finally said so it. I hope you I... leave nailed it in there. 
Now I have to. The, the, the reason I have trouble saying it is because I, in my mind, until I reread it now, it was you got a job on a garbage barge, not the. No, and when it the, totally the definite article changes the entire changes work. It. And so I, yeah. yeah, that's where I keep tripping up. And um, all right, so this is a 64-page Sablebound digest size zine with uh, color back and front covers, uh, with pretty heavy heavy cardstock, I'd say, and um. It, it happened as a result. I don't know, I don't know about that. I, okay. I think it's pretty heavy. Um, it, it is a result of, uh, Zine Quest 2020, I think. Is that right? Yeah, I think it was Zine Quest 2. Right. Oh, right. They used the, right, of course. It, uh, anyways, it came out of Zine Quest. It is written by Amanda Lee Frank, but it has contributions from, uh, ZX2, Dungeons and Possums, Aaron King, Scrap Princess, uh, Sasha Sienna and Jonathan Sims. Uh, Amanda Lee Frank did the layout. Uh, it was edited by Jack Fortune and Philip Knapp or Knapp. K- K- I don't know how to say it. Knapps? Knapp? Yeah, Philip Knapp. All right, we're sticking with that. Uh, it was, uh, illustrated by Amanda Lee Frank and Scrap Princess. And the maps were illustrated by, uh, Amanda as well. So that, those are the credits. Um, I don't know what system this is for, and <laughs> I think we're going to go into that later. But yeah, I just put a bunch of question marks next to the uh, system entry here in my in my notes. Uh, why don't we get the synopsis from you, Brad? Hmm. Okay. You got a job on the garbage barge. Is um, it's I'd say it's halfway between setting and module. There are two mini adventures in here. Um, but the garbage barge is a kind of, uh, it's a, it's a strange space bordering on the mystical, um, where garbage of the world accumulates. Um, this is a big boat that travels around picking up garbage and putting it on. Um, there is, uh, lots of life on this barge. There are workers. There are, uh, animals, <laughs> some of them talking animals. There are insects and there are stranger things as well. Um, a faction of wizards, etc. Um, yeah, and ostensibly you got a job on the garbage barge. So the mini adventures are in that line. There's one where you have to keep the gas lake from exploding by venting some gas in a, a buried lake that was thrown out. The entire lake and a dam was thrown out into the garbage barge. So you got to vent the explosive gas. There's another mini adventure called You're Going on a Trash Dive in which you board a kind of submersible and travel through strata of garbage um, to kind of like unexplored kind of mythical <laughs> realms of of garbage um, with kind of an interesting cast of characters there. Um, yeah, and I guess that's about the synopsis. There are lots of other tables and things like that about um things you could find here various smells um other interesting creatures that you could even play as like uh, beta fish that are kind of mystical warriors um yeah there's a lot going on here but i think hopefully that provides a overall kind of view yeah i think that's as much as you can hope in <laughs> describing something like this uh, yes uh, okay so why don't we start with you, Amanda? What did you think of you got a job on the garbage barge? So some background. 
I got into OSR stuff in 2020. And so when I got into OSR stuff, this was probably when I like got in through a lot of Scrap Princess's blog, a lot of the, you know, Manalee Frank's art, like all that stuff. And so as part of that, I kind of came across this adventure fairly early. And so in a way, it kind of embodies everything I really liked about OS art blogs from a certain era in terms of like the level of creativity in it. Um, the fact that I, when I look at adventures and when I'm looking for like situations, which I kind of think this book is like creating a, like a situation more than an adventure. In, I think it's more setting than quest. It's about leaving negative space for the GM to enter and build off of. I feel like this is there's a lot of like sparks in this work that are someone can leverage if they're that kind of GM to vibe off of to for the lack of a better word take inspiration from etc. I think that it that would be like my first thing I would say about it. Uh but I think in general that's something that I initially appreciated about this work. I have run this. I I've run specifically the Gas Lake and I don't want to give spoilers right now because I know you guys do like a spoiler time. So great, yeah, you ran it. What, what was the experience like running it? Tell us about sure. that. Sure. Okay, so I ran it as play by post because I knew that we were going to talk about it, and I didn't have time to get a group together. And so the f- uh, overall, I think that it took me like a read or two to like really get my head around what was happening with the gas lake because I got really con- I I liked the map, but I got a little confused about what was where. And so I had to like, but part of that could just be my reading comprehension uh, for real. But overall, I enjoy, I feel like even though it's like fairly like sparse in some ways, you get a lot from like, especially with this NPC Martina, I, I really enjoy that it's very specific about what happened with her crew, the job, and the way that she explains things. I think the look at times the location can be a little confusing. Because sometimes things are numbered, but then it's not numbered when you mm. look through the adventure. Yeah, fair, fair. Thank you. We'll get more into some of the details of what you didn't like and what you really liked uh, in the deep dive. But uh, Brad, why don't you tell us what you thought about the module? Yeah, um, so I, I've also run this uh, over a course of uh, actually several months. Um, so I've spent a lot of time with the garbage barge. Um, I think this work is probably not for everyone. Agreed. Um, it is, if you're like an old school dungeon head, <laughs> like it's not probably for you. This is not like old school dungeon procedure, open doors, check for random encounters. Some of those elements are here. Um, <clears throat> I think also there's a lot of things about this module that shouldn't work. <laughs> there's stuff in here that I complain about with other modules all the time. There's like, you never get like a big picture for what's going on. The organization is kind of all over the place. Um, that said, <laughs> um, <laughs> this is one of my favorite modules. Okay. And if you put, if you put a gun to my head and ask me what my favorite module is, I might say this me, one. Me too. <laughs> um, it is all over the place, but I think at its core, it is a singular work of weird genius. Like it is wholly fresh and unique. I feel like it is a thing that exists out of necessity and not because of like a sense of nostalgia or sense of like someone trying to earn some money in a hobby space or anything like that. Like you can feel the creativity and artistry oozing out of every page of this. And I think the setting is so evocative. I think, um, 
I don't know. I just feel the real touch of like an artist who's confident in what they're doing, even though I don't, I think this is Amanda's first published work. Yeah, to my knowledge, uh, this was her first published work. I don't think yeah. she released even anything informally before this. I could be wrong. Yeah. Um, so I had a, a lot of fun reading this. I had a lot of fun playing this. Um, I think it's a fantastic setting and I latched on a bunch of other adventures onto this thing. Like I made this into a really like big aggregation of, uh, other published works. Well, we should hear about that in intimate connections later. Yeah, definitely. But it is easy to do. I think the idea of that, this is a place where like garbage goes is such a fertile ground for, um, for like role play. Well, right. Because it's not a garbage barge. It's It's the the garbage garbage barge. barge. And it's the further you get, the weirder it gets. Like it is not just like, oh, it's like when you start it, like it just it jumps you in to just being like, you got a job on the garbage barge. That's the, that's all the context. The title is the context. And then it just gets weirder the farther you go. It gets stranger and stranger, but it all works. Um, so, yeah, I could ramble on forever. But as for the sake of my like minute of, uh, you know, my hip shot power hour here about what I thought of it. That's what I think of it. I think it's terrific. Um, I want to get a garbage barge back piece tattoo and uh, retire there on the mystical garbage barge. I'm ready to live with you the raccoons. Retire on the tattoo? No, I want to retire. Two different thoughts. I want to retire on the garbage barge. Uh, when not I, a tattoo know. of the garbage barge. I want to get a tattoo of the garbage barge, and I also want to move to the garbage barge as a senior citizen and retire there and okay. live in the garbage. That's my. That is what I have to, have to okay. say. Okay. Okay. Yeah, and if I have if I haven't sounded excited enough, it's because everything I want to say is a spoiler. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's yeah, that's an interesting problem here. Is that so much I need to say is not easy to talk about in this sense? Uh, okay, yeah. so I will give you okay. Yeah, go ahead. What do you my think? turn? <laughs> so okay, yeah. um, I really like Amanda, um, a present company, <laughs> as well as Amanda Lee Frank. I. I think she's one of the most interesting talents out there. We, you know, you know, I loved Vampire Cruise. Um, I, I much prefer Vampire Cruise over this adventure, but I also had a lot. There's a lot in this adventure that I liked. There's a lot. There's also some problems with it. And, um, one of the biggest issues I have with it, and I don't think this is a deep, this is in any way spoilery. So there are two actual adventures. Right. There's two jobs you can go on. There's lots of other jobs you could make up, but there's two official jobs inside of the adventure. One was written by Amanda and, um, I really liked that one. That's the one with the, uh, previously mentioned Martina. The other is written by, uh, Sasha Sienna and Jonathan Sims. And I really don't like the second adventure. I, <laughs> I, I have many problems with it that we'll talk about in deep dive, but the, too long didn't read is that it's basically a railroad that's super confusing and written in a totally different way than the rest of the module um, presented in a way that's different and is frankly subpar compared to everything else we're experiencing i don't i don't think it was written with the kind of play style in mind that the my that, that the module itself uh proposes you know i i just don't see it as a very good adventure uh, but i like everything else about this module there are some confusing inconsistencies um throughout 
in terms of layout and um it's a bunch of grammatical stuff, spacing and stuff, but that's not really a big deal because it kind of adds to it, honestly. The inconsistent formatting and the, the random spacing problems, uh, the fact that it references certain things that don't actually match up. So it'll say, um, <laughs> after damp, see page 13, but actually after damp is on page 15, you know, stuff like that. Um, I think an index would have actually helped a lot for me. I, yeah. I know this is a real surprise, uh, but I do think, <laughs> I do think it would help. Um, in general, I like the way information is presented up until the first job. I think the jobs themselves sort of appear out of nowhere. And I feel like they could have been sort of subsumed by the rest of the content as kind of example jobs in a way that would have made more sense to me. I Like, for instance, Martina is mentioned for the first time long after every other NPC, only when the job happens. So I was looking back for Martina in an earlier section, but actually she appears two pages later, which wouldn't be weird if it was self-contained, but it's not. Uh, anyways, these are really nitpicks on what I think is a, a work of, as you said, singular genius. I think it's it's completely original, completely playable. Don't think of it as an adventure. Think of it as a setting with an included adventure. Well, with two included adventures, but only one of them is good. And... um yeah, the world building is phenomenal. I love ZDX2's part with the betas. I think that is, it's, it's fun and hilarious and weird. Um, there were a bunch of other things that I also like that we'll get into deep dive. Um, and as you said, Amanda, it's kind of hard to talk about that. I, yeah, I, I, I just, um, I feel like if they, if the included job had not seemed so just randomly inserted and if the second job wasn't there or was better um i would say it was a uh, one of my top 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 five uh adventures that i've read i'd love to run it definitely love to run it um but i yeah i i, I can't really meet you both um this is of course despite the fact that i adore amanda's work and full disclosure i have uh, asked her to do some art for karen second edition and we haven't signed anything official or done anything yet but you know that is true um, yeah that I'm I'm gonna hire her, but otherwise I, I feel like that's my that's my summary. Um, really good high marks with some some nitpicks, and I really don't like one of the adventures. So yeah, <laughs> I th- I think if you look at this, it's like you see like this is where Amanda started, and then you look at Vampire Cruise, and you look at right. uh, cr- uh, Crushed Up Apparition, and it's like mm-hmm. the boat. Uh, she's got this like boat trilogy, which is very it's a bad fun. boat trilogy. I love yeah. it, and so it's like I, I I see this as like I was like this is your first. I mean, like this is much totally. better than my first work. Oh, like for a first great. work, this is so good. This and is I think amazing. Really, I, it, we take it for granted. You're totally right, and I think the the art is really great. Um, I'm actually not a huge fan of scraps art in general. It's just not my thing. I appreciate mm-hmm. it, but I'm I'm too ignorant to be able to appreciate it the way it probably deserves. My understanding is that it's really impressive. That's what my friend Ray, my friend Ray always says. You know, I went to art school and I know how hard it is to look to do art that looks like this. And so I, I, I respect that. <laughs> yeah. I just yeah. don't like it. I love scraps art. It's so good. But I also went to art school. <laughs> <laughs> I uh yeah I like this I like the art um in general I like Scrap Princess one thing though that I wish wasn't here is that like Scrap Princess you know is such a scratchy you know <laughs> like messy kind of I don't know impressionist garbage style which suits this like perfectly but a lot of these illustrations have like little labels on them like a beetle it says like talking insect or like flamethrower. And I wish like that text wasn't written next to the illustrations. I feel like 
That makes it feel like like high school notebook marginalia instead of like weird impressionism, which I thought it was um, cute. I liked the whole that's oh, that's why it says flamethrower. It's the name, you know, I yeah, I like know. that that kind of takes me out of it a little bit. Like, I wish it was just an illustration without that context. And I think that would have worked a lot better. Um, but no, I think I think the Scrap Princess art totally works here, especially just like the way Scrap Princess creates art is kind of like the way this this is presented you don't get like a deep dive into any of these locations it's weird scratchy abstract outlines of stuff that you this the context the subtext makes it the kind of more than what's actually here like as lines you know what i mean i think it, it suits the work perfectly but yeah i kind of wish we just whited out the uh the text on those um but okay unless anyone else has art talk let's jump into system because i think that's an interesting point here right what i do don't think it matters that? that much there's no here we go definitive no. answer no there's no, does system twice. matter no, that's not what i'm saying i'm saying in this case okay, you're not taking there, a stand the yeah. the creatures and elements that you encounter I I just feel like they're 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 vibes. There's a lot of vibes going on. I don't need yeah. to see, you know, that this one creature is a gross amalgamation. You know what this is? I know why you like this. This is an entire adventure of weird little guys. Yes, yes, <laughs> that's what this is. It is a is lot of weird. Guys, it's a yeah. lot of weird little guys. There's so many yeah. of them. I mean, it is a weird little guys. Yeah. I, so, but but I feel like it's. It's not really about encounter tables. It's about the living world that is presented to you here. And and you just sort of live in it. I, I don't know. I can't. I'm not very, very um, cogent here. I, I just don't find it that important. That's why it's so weird to randomly <clears throat> hear things like, use DC 12 strength check. What the hell are you yeah. talking about? <laughs> what What is this for? And then it'll randomly mention like some, you know, Watsy SRD stuff. You know, there's like a yeah. displacer beast, a wet displacer beast at one point. Yeah. Um, so I, I, yeah, I, I just don't, under, it doesn't need a system or pick a system and stick with it. I don't understand. I, I almost think that part of that is because uh, if you are going through the garbage barge, like fighting dudes, you're completely playing it wrong. And also you're kind of a monster because half of these things are just like toads with a little <laughs> yeah. hotel, you know, like there are, it's not that there aren't dangerous things on this in here, but it's not yeah. really like. Well, yeah, I'll give it, let's give an example of a stat, right? So putting aside the inconsistencies around difficulty checks. Yeah. Here's the, the barge coral. Okay. HD five AC chainmail move 10 feet attacks trap and digest one D six points per round. That's it. What's this? It doesn't matter. At that point, yeah. it doesn't matter. Literally, like, I mean, yeah, I guess it saves you a little time to know the armor. You could just write, um, you know, uh, whatever the equivalent of HT5 is in your system, um, chainmail armor, and then it can move slowly. Like, it's so basic. There's, yeah, there's very little to it. So I, I feel like I, I'm fine with that. I mean, that's a lot how a lot of like, the, um, ZX work is, is a lot of just really basic stats, but this has random DC. So that was kind of weird to me. Yeah. I, I, so I get a sense this might have been for 5e initially. There's, there's information, there's, there's stuff about like strength saves. And at one point we talked about like a bard picks a college at level three, which is, I think, a 5eism. Um, it is. Sense scald, I believe. Yeah. I, what I what I sense, what I think about <laughs> um, how a lot of people play role playing games is, I think a really large 
portion of people actually playing role playing games kind of play a, you know, um, a version of D and D or whatever they have at hand with only paying attention to about half the rules yes. and really no, um, no sense of like obligation to, to really like go beyond that. That's definitely how I played third edition for years. Like it was me and my core group of friends. I had no reason to play with anyone else. And it wasn't until I left high school and went to college when I played with other people. I was like, Whoa, you guys, you guys understand attacks of opportunity. Really? I've never like, <laughs> that's never been at my table. Cause like we, we just didn't, we never Wait, got what there. What did you do when someone tried to leave combat? I don't know. I mean, it's just like you play with this, like, you know, it's probably a little more like FKR without right. the name. No, it's like, no, a, it's like a, games as folk tradition. Like, yeah, folk yeah. D&D. That's what I was about to say. It's a Totally. And like when I was playing third edition in high school, it's like I never really looked at modules. I never looked at other books because I'm like, why? Like, this is the game. I've got all the books. You know, I've got everything I need here in these three books. Like, I don't know why you guys want to talk about it or like try to convince me to play another system. Like. Role-playing games is just role-playing games. It's just, you know, that's what I'm playing here. And um, I, I get the sense that that's kind of how this is um, with Garbage Barge. Um, my buddy Ahimsa Kerp has said something similar on a podcast recently. I don't remember where I was listening to this, but when he was wrote... Was it Diogo's? His, it might have been. Diogo yeah, yeah. It was when he published his, the first Meatlandia book. He was kind of throwing in, it was like ostensibly for like a certain system. I think it was old school essentials. I can't remember what, but he was throwing in stuff about like advantage and disadvantage. And people were like, whoa, hold on. That's not in this. That's not an OSC. He's like, whoa, like you guys care about that? Like yeah, everyone, you're not like, you're not just like throwing rules from other systems, hodgepodge into your system. Like you guys actually care about like sticking to rules of a system. Some of us um, feel that systems can shine when they're yes. well understood. And those people are the kind of people who listen to podcasts and make podcasts. So I think right, that's like right. who we yeah. interact with the most. But I think like <laughs> the large body of our role playing enjoyers are not listening to this podcast and they are playing 5e and they are only paying attention to about half the rules and they are having a blast. You know sure. I mean? Yeah, totally. And I got, I got no beef with them. And I yeah. understand that's probably what this came out of. The reason yeah. it's confusing is it's sort of like it's like, I had a guy ask me, or there was someone on the Discord yesterday, on the Karen Discord, that asked, they had a question, and they said, oh, you know, um, I have a problem with this rule. Yeah. And then after a little bit of a back and forth, I realized that they had completely misinterpreted a very simple rule, and it completely unupended the balance of their game. And then once they understood the rule better and started using it, they realized, oh, "Oh, now I get it. Well, that makes everything else different. And and so (laughs) I I do feel like there are occasions when understanding the rules helps with the enjoyment of the game. Not always. And I'm not a stickler. I'm not a prescriptivist here. A hundred percent. Yeah. When I realized I shouldn't let Dimitri Treewalker, the ranger, throw his scimitars at enemies and then go (laughs) grab them every turn. It was like, oh. He's not as overpowered as I thought he was. What, what you know? is his name again? Dimitri. Dim- Dimitri Treewalker. Yeah. Shout yeah, outs okay. to my friend Ben. Classic high school D&D character. <laughs> Good. Uh, yeah. Um, okay. So so let's um let's just go to D5 since we're kind of circling some of the more interesting bits here. Cool. Yes. Deep spoilers. Okay. So. Whew. Um. <laughs> so I love this adventure. Why don't you give us the 
premise. Uh, or actually, why don't you give us the uh, what's what's? Is there's nothing really going on here? Is there? There's nothing for you to. Usually, Brad, you show up and say, well, "Here's what's really going on." There's no well, we real... usually dance around like, "Oh, there's a big bad guy that's really causing all the trouble." I don't. That's not the case here. No, really. This is not the case. No, this is just there are a couple major things going on. I really want to see that tugboat. Get get to water. <laughs> That's when I was reading this. I kept yeah. thinking like, oh, t- I want that tugboat and I want to be on that radio station. I guess there is a meta plot about the copper mask wizards you right. keep learning about. Right. Yes. So th- that so the deal is that they stuck a like hamster tubing system into the barge and then used magic to make it giant. And that created ways to travel around that weren't possible before and led to which led to all kinds of problems from their perspective and from other people's perspectives. Uh, and you're just sort of interacting with that as you go. Uh, do you all want to talk about the included adventures as part of the setting? I mean, that's what's so... First off, okay. Let's take a step back. So is this a setting, or is this a setting and an adventure, or does it not matter? I don't think it matters. But I'm like, you know me, I'm like, taxonomy, hated it. Label things, yeah. don't. <laughs> yeah, no. So, the, you know, and reason, you know that's where right. I am, and I know that's not where the, everybody is. <laughs> I know. I, I generally agree with uh, that unnecessary tax, taxonom- taxonification is uh, frustrating and common in this hobby. The reason I separated out is because there are just too many settings and it's really hard to critique them. Oh, yeah. So it was just it was just easier for us to be arbitrary. You know, we only do bl- like I find arbitrary limits to be useful. Um, yeah. In terms it- of being able to critique something, a setting is much harder to reproduce in play. So it's harder for me to imagine how I would use the setting in play um, on a way that in a way that can be useful as critique as criticism and and so that's what's why I have this arbitrary um, demarcation in this case there's a setting with two adventures so I think it's totally up for criticism in my mind I think there's like adventure elements within the setting like traveling between the nodes there's like a big random encounter table yeah you could argue um, it's a point crawl. Because it's yeah, like you're you barge crawling. Like, that's how I ran it. I barge, barge crawled crawl. to oh, the gas great. leak. I did, too. I did the same. But, like, I was shocked when rereading this, re- like, hitting some of these. Because, like, um, let me see an example. There is a location called the Graveyard Graveyard, for instance. Yeah. Here's I, I couldn't believe this is only, like, two sentences. Because my players were here for weeks. But here's the where we get... Misspelled engravings and badly sculpted sheep loomed over by a mourning lady on a, what's, how do you say that? Beer? Beer? Buyer. Who turned out, buyer? Whatever. Who turned out too sexy. So it's like, that's it. So it's a, it's a graveyard where graveyards have been thrown out. We get a few decorative elements here. My players spent so long at this graveyard graveyard because like, I don't know, I threw in a dungeon and like threw in a bunch of other stuff and some random encounters from the back of the book. And it became this huge thing. And like rereading it again, like there's like nothing here. I couldn't believe it. Um, so, yeah, it leaves a lot of spaces. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it is I, a weird yeah. middle ground between setting and adventure. Yeah, so, for sure. I f- I, yeah, I feel like there are the, the what this excels at is flavor. And it is really hard to write concise flavor. Yeah. So you you might have another module might have one tenth of the flavor with ten times the amount of words, you know. And I think that's where Amanda and people like Zedek and and even and Luke Gearing, that's where they really. It doesn't matter what they're doing. I just want the flavor. Just put it in my brain, you know. Right. And 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 in this case, it's humor. It, there's a lot of humor and um. 
stuff to work with. One example is uh, front crane. How barge workers get the trash on board. There's always room. No one has looked into this. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's that. It's that. And it's just. It's just. 50 of those, you know, in a row, of course, it's going to create adventures for people who know how to do it. But as you said, that's not everybody. Yeah. Yeah. I think you have to be the kind of GM that is really comfortable uh, taking all of the delicious good food that is in this and being like, (laughs) and then just like slapping it together along with the things that like building, like using this as like an armature that you can build around. Yes. Yeah, I think that's exactly how I used it. Um, yeah. Yeah. So something I want to talk about, like my players got stuck, like stayed forever at the Toad Hotel. So the- <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> And that's because yeah. it's like, it just gave you a nut here. Where is it? I got to get to it. Um, yeah. A single, uh, the reins of a glass luxury hotel, the Undine, that fell prey to hospitality industry sabotage. It now features three foilers full of toad bones, purposely vague bonded art, and an infinity pool. A single hotel toad will replicate itself by vomiting up 1d4 toads a day. The toads are otherwise completely ordinary, with the exception of the initial toad, Volume 1, who was chosen for being intelligent enough to stay hidden until the infestation took hold. He lives in the grand ballroom, draped in chandelier crystal, and has grown round and powerful. Straight toads are a common nuisance and food source on the barge. (laughs) (laughs) That's, yeah. Like, I would complain about this in other modules because I'm like, well, it should have talked about the hotel toads before here, so I would know to put them here. But I don't know. The way this thing works is like every entry just expands the lore of the barge more. And it's, I don't know, it just works somehow, even though it really shouldn't. Yeah. Um, when I ended up, uh, yeah. No, go ahead. How did how did your players interact with the hotel? What did you oh, do? Oh, they, uh, Essentially, I created other weird hotel toads and had would have like hotel toads being vomited out by other hotel toads while they were physically there. They went there for information uh-huh. because when they were dropped off, I just had them get dropped off by a mysterious figure that was three raccoons in a trench coat that just gave them a walkie <laughs> yeah. talkie and then left. Because <laughs> it's just like it's that kind of thing. I might use this for my Planescape game that I'm going to be doing because I don't really. Oh, I'm not yeah. going to use any of the Planescape Planescape stuff. I'm probably just going to use like a bunch of weird things together. Yeah, for more fun. That works. And so another thing I like about this is just like we don't get ever enough detail where it paints you into. I don't know. It doesn't go far enough that it tells you how to run this <laughs> again, which shouldn't work. But in this case, like, I read this and I imagine a bunch of just feral frogs. They're just frogs. Um, the illustration of Scrap Princess has the frog in a little, like, bellhop costume. And I'm like, what? That's not how I imagined that. And I think they didn't work for me. Because I'm like, these aren't, like, talking worker frogs. These are just, like, a hotel full of, you know, ingrant animals. Um, but the text could support either one. And I think that makes it interesting. This could be, like, this twee, you know, talking animal you know, kind of cute situation, or it could be like a a hotel full of like giant frogs. that want to eat you, which, you know, fine. That's cool. (laughs) Like it's not for everyone. It's, it shouldn't work, but I don't know why, but it's so evocative and it captures me. So I'm into it. And I think a lot of the entries are like that. Yeah. Can we talk about the gas lake? Gas lake. Yeah. So you ran that. Okay. So the gas lake, essentially what it is, is it's, this lake, there was a river and it got dammed up and then it got covered in this horrible slime mold that can spawn basically duplicates of people. So you could become, if I remember correctly. And so 
it part of it is that it offs a lot of gas and so eventually it's going to cause a large fire and so this has happened before and so they every once in a while the barge has this problem and then they have to fix it so the main thing that was fun for me is there's these floating jellyfish that are made of the mold essentially and so but they're very flammable and so one of my players tried to move one with a torch and it exploded (laughs) (laughs) and then i killed it killed the player (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but then we realized it didn't kill the player. I just didn't know the Karen rules well enough because, again, folk D and D. You know, I, yeah, I don't, right. I'm right. bad at remembering just, rules. Yeah, when I, sometimes <laughs> I'll get a, Amanda, who has written a successful Karen adventure, will text me saying, "Is it roll under? I can't remember." <laughs> <laughs> um, so one one thing about that is I love the whole anything it touches turns to a, a weird duplicate of itself. It was a little unclear to me of whether the whether the doppelgangers are evil because it sounds like they're conscious of them of of what they are since they go and if they get injured doppelgangers will pick up more algae to put on themselves or whatever um but i wasn't sure whether the doppelgangers of a pc for example would be opposed to the party or try to help them or try to stay alive or what you know yeah i can't remember how i ran them um i in general this world doesn't like usually skew overtly like aggressive (laughs) you know what i mean um i really like that shark with the expanding teeth that thing is really scary looking amanda lee frank loves sharks there's like the vampire shark and that other adventure amanda lee frank is like can i make a freak shark and i'm like yes please (laughs) (laughs) did you read mouth brew that had a lot of freak animals in there too i have not yeah Uh, i've refused to review that one oh it's good it's a good one it's just um it's gross (laughs) <laughs> it's like annihilation though you love annihilation i do like the book uh so all right can we talk about the adventure i didn't really care for yeah. um so i haven't run it obviously reading through it it reminded me of kind of a 5e adventure or maybe uh maybe even a story game it, it seemed very railroady the, the premise there is that you're part of a team digging down into the center of the barge you know it's sort of yes sort of sort of like that and um there's just a whole bunch of information presented to you about all the different characters and how they interact with each other. And some of that is actually pretty interesting if it was supported by anything else in the adventure, like uh, agency. I, I feel yes. like uh, there's just stuff that happens at different, uh, what do they call the various levels? Depths or? Uh, I was calling them strata. Strata. Thank you. So they keep dropping down each time, each new strata, each new layer yeah. that you descend into. There's just, new stuff going on there's there's no real information about how you get around to each strata how you get past it what what you're supposed to do in each there's some things to look for i guess yep so there's definitely scenes and stuff to interact with but there's very little um from my perspective uh, that would help player choice uh i i just don't see it as being fun for the kind of um players that i play with but that was kind of my impression of it i don't know how it went for you i almost feel like you could run it i was looking at the strata and i was like i wonder i don't run trophy but i was like is this like an incursion structure yeah sure that makes sense that that would totally make sense absolutely yeah so um so i ran it and the way i ran it um first of all i agree with you it doesn't give enough guidance for like how you actually interact with the strata it's just like here's what this is here's what this is um some things i think it does do well is that you're on this craft with a cast of characters that have different um, motives. And 
they were interesting to bounce off of each other. Players were making alliances and, you know, there's like this murderous grandma and <laughs> there's like, I don't know, there's there's uh, there's a lot of tension there just between like the faction play on the ship. So that was fun. Just like RP opportunity. Mostly I treated the adventure kind of just like setting, to be honest, like they had a motivation to go down deeper into the strata because they were in this case, they I framed it. They were looking for this magic item this like lost relic um that they believe to be like buried at the bottom of all the garbage so they wanted to keep going deeper to find it but um i kind of treated it like each strata i rolled like a luck check to see how the submersible was doing sometimes it was damaged and had to stop sometimes the players just wanted to stop because i would point out like oh here's you know uh dungeony things that you see like you might want to explore sometimes they ignored it um, but what I did here was I tacked on other dungeons. Like there's this party debris strata. Um, yeah, the after party where like all of, like, you know, solo cups and stuff end up after every party is uh, cleaned up. Um, yeah, like I put in like I I rolled that the craft was damaged there. So they had to stop and they're exploring. There was like this party <laughs> monster I created that was chasing them. They found a Nature May dungeon, Lair of the Sad Mage, which was like a house party that got thrown out. So they were exploring that and interacting with that. Right. So, but so I kinda, you had to sort of bolster it with other ex- outside stuff. Absolutely. I really hacked it apart. I threw in just each level. Um, I pulled like random generated dungeons from a web resource. I don't remember which one I used. Um, just in case they, they're going to stop and explore. Uh, and sometimes I tacked on dungeons where like I... You know, it was like the end of one session. It was like, oh, your craft is damaged in the party strata. So I was like, okay, great. I'll have to have a dungeon ready for next week. Um, in that sense, I think it worked, but I treated it more like a setting than an adventure because I don't think it gives you the tools you need to run it as a, here's what we're playing this week. This is the adventure we're going to run. Um, so it was fun. I think the cast of characters was memorable and um, seeing the lore of the garbage barge expand because it kind of contradicts previous sections of the book where you see the bottom of the barge and here it's like this bottomless infinite space where you eventually right. meet like dead gods yeah. that have been discarded yeah. that was weird and that got yeah. players kind of like oh interested so i don't know yeah. that's how i made it work i almost feel like it's like a depth crawl but it's not a depth yeah crawl. It, I mean, yeah totally depth, depth crawls you'd have a choice I don't mean this adventure is a depth crawl. I mean the garbage barge itself is oh, almost like a depth crawl. Yeah, it could be. Sure. I, did and you? This totally. Seems, this seems like it would. Um, that this particular adventure, uh, which is called "You're Going on a Trash Dive," that feels a little bit like maybe um, Lady Blackbird a bit. Like there's in Lady uh, Blackbird, you have a bunch of characters that you play on a ship. Yeah, um, I don't know that I, one. Oh. I always mean really? to play that, and I just haven't. Oh my! Okay, so John Harper of Blades in the Dark and World okay. of Dungeon fame, sure, he wrote sure. he wrote a game called Lady Blackbird. I strongly uh-huh. recommend it. It's 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 a story game for sure. Although it it's kind of a self contained thing where it's it's a steampunk airship, and you you the players play specific characters, including like the captain and a criminal and like the lady and waiting whatever all these different characters. And you have goals and needs and it introduced, well, it didn't introduce, it popularized the concept of keys, which is basically where you um, gain experience points for doing things that are in accordance with your beliefs, but you actually gain more if you do the opposite, but then you no longer have access to those 
um, to that old pathway for experience. So it's, it, it's a really interesting, um, very much metagamey story game mechanic yeah. that, um, that is, it's a little fun if you're doing it in that sort of setting. So this, this actually really reminded me of Lady Blackbird. Obviously, I like Lady Blackbird more. Um, but you could run this adventure in particular using the Lady Blackbird, uh, framework and it would, it would go great, I think. Yeah. That sounds, yeah, that sounds kind of reasonable and similar to how I played it in, in practice. Um, but yeah, not a traditional dungeon. I mean, I like a lot of this book. This is like you're mining vibes and ideas. You know what I mean? And you're going to have to do work to put in like the detail stuff in there. Um, so yeah, I don't know if it's not for everyone. Yeah. You know, like I said, but I think it's fertile ground creatively. All right. Well, I think I about wraps it up unless you guys have anything else you want to add. Uh, nope. We didn't. I mean, it kind of already did connections. I talked about some of the stuff we connected the two. Right. Um, you guys both ran it. So it, that, that kind of handles the intimate connections part. Yeah. And I, and I tacked on a ton of stuff here. Um, I mean, I made, I made, uh, really good use of my Highland Paranormal Society Patreon subscription because that is full of tiny mini dungeons that right. do not feel out of place at all here. Um, so I was chalking <laughs> this thing full of, of nature maze. We didn't talk about how good the tables are. The tables are really great. Um, the tables, great tables. There's, I really like the one <laughs> that says, um, it's on page 16, uh, number 23. And it is <laughs> the wall of doors. And one of them on a five to seven says, okay, I'll read it. Leave a door, take a door. You should knock first because sometimes they still work. Um, and yeah. one of the doors is free door. You can have it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I could add one table entry that I really liked. Yeah. Um, this is on page four. A tiny dried fish with living eyes. Swallow it whole and it'll breathe water for you for an hour. Comes in a triple sealed bottle labeled one hour aqualung. Always wait 45 minutes after eating before you take Aqualung. You vomit the fish up later and you have to catch it if you want to use it again. It smells really bad. <laughs> yeah, it's great. And I love, um, yeah, I th- yes, they're great. I like the, sc- the Scrap Princess contribution too of like the salvage goods and the weird inventions you can get from those. I think that's really strong. Um, oh, yes. Yeah. yeah, that's a great that yeah that just keep <laughs> that one you can keep coming back to to get even crazier things and they they make sense too there's a lot of thought put into them setting wise this is a really interesting hodgepodge of like modern and fantasy like there's a dryad forest but there's also like a, a radio station <laughs> you know um i set this in the setting of uh anomalous subsurface environment which is kind of like weird gonzo post human future kind of thing. I don't know if it's post-human, but uh, I worked great there because it was just like, I, I said it as like far earth uh, future. I thought that that worked fine. And yeah, this is actually where I wrote uh, Temple of a Thousand Swords also. That was the bottom layer of that depth crawl. It was, they found where gods were buried, where they were forgotten. So that was the sword gods dungeon. And my players explored that to find a way to get out because their ship had been destroyed at that point. Um, so yeah, uh, buy my books cause it's good. <laughs> uh, it works great here. It's a perfect dessert to this, uh, to this, this meal. Um, yeah, I don't know. This is good. I don't think I have anything else to say about it. Uh, it's cool. You guys have anything else? I don't, nope. I really enjoy nope. it, but I think that's yeah. cool. Well, 
All right. Well, this has been Between Two Karens. You can reach us at betweentwokarens at gmail.com. We have a Patreon at patreon.com slash betweentwokarens where you can sign up to get stickers. And we also have a Discord server. You can get there from the karenrpg.com website. Uh, that's kind of it. Uh, we'll see you all next week. And yeah, Amanda, tell the people where they can find your stuff. I oh, was you, about to. I oh, was yeah, going to do, do that. I was. I, I didn't. Was, I don't. I don't believe I you. I, swear, think you I swear. I did not forget. I was trying to say, and that's Amanda, it for us. Amanda, do you think you but forgot? Amanda, where? Okay. I was. Do you getting think there. you forgot, Amanda? I didn't forget. I. I would admit if I forgot. I think Amanda knows you. You're. I didn't. How dare you? I was going to look up. I'm like, what are my plugs again? <laughs> so, uh, if you want to. Uh, hear about Resonant, my new mothership adventure. Uh, you can sign it. You can follow all my stuff via visiting weirdwonder.net. My Substack is there. My Twitter that I really don't use. I just put up weird dungeon maps on it, and then I don't use it otherwise. Blue Sky, all those things are on there. Uh, so just visit there and check out Resonant. Will be out through Space Penguin. So you go to their website, which is Space Penguin. Dot I-N-K. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, it's a good one. It's going to be good. We're going to review it and we're going to be like, this is good. That's the end of the show. Most biased. Oh, <laughs> oh. yeah, that's very biased. I, all especially no. Spa- no. Yeah. Okay. I'm not biased. Uh-huh. I can give an honest review of my friend's works. Mm-hmm. I think I'm honest to a fault, frankly. Oh. And uh, I think that's people, people say that about me a lot. <laughs> people, can I tell you a story? I, uh, I, I guess so. I think I may have told this story before. There was, uh. I got a job once at a uh, youth hostel in San Diego. And um, the first week I was there, $15,000 was stolen from this uh, safe. And so they immediately assumed it was me. And I, I didn't know that they assumed it was me. This all happened without my knowledge. Um, I later was cleared because the guy who stole the money was a guy who'd worked there for years who suddenly was able to pay off a bunch of debts and I guess it, they got wind of it. Um, so I was I was uh, uh, in the clear. But I later found out that they called my previous employer and said, hey, is your guy honest? And the, 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 the previous employer said, oh, he's too honest. <laughs> and so for once that's, my... That's the word for it, yeah. Yeah, my bluntness and uh, oversharing, actually. Yeah. Really, uh, helped me out. But, uh, wow. Yeah, all right. Cool, 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 cool. Great. Well, that's the show. Thank you, Amanda. Thank you, Brad. Uh, thank you, Yukai. Mm-hmm. You guys going <laughs> to thank each other at all? Thank you, Yukai. Well, I, give you space. <laughs> thank you. I don't, I'll, I'm just going to talk to both of you in like five thank minutes you. on Discord. So okay. Really let's wrap up. Uh, okay. Let's, let's wrap up the show. Thank you, listeners. Okay. Uh huh. Thank you. Um, <laughs> Thank you. You know what? Thank you. Thank you, post office. Thank you, postal workers. Okay. Delivering me all the zines. Yeah. I appreciate that. I like staying in my house. Comfy, warm, cozy. (laughs) Ooh, nice. Nice and cozy, comfy. I get to get the zines in the mail and I read the zines. Thank you, post, post, post workers, mail carriers. Mm -hmm. They get wet. All right. They walk around all day. Mm -hmm. Look, y'all, my neighbor's a mail carrier. Dude, he works like 10 hour days. Like six days a week. Are you kidding me, man? I don't. That's his job. That's a lot of work. Oh. You know, get a little clicky clacky computer job. You don't have to do that, man. I yeah. write emails. I'm not walking ten hours a day. Yeah. So I respect the postal employees. You guys, you feel the same? Or am I? Am I yeah. Uh, yeah. No. I mean, I, yeah, of course. I feel, I feel that 
theory. Um, I think your silence kind the, of damns you the, a bit no, because I was I going just, off and you you were probably looking at each other like oh, I, don't I don't know. I don't disagree. I just don't have anything to add to it. Yeah, I mean, it's the post office was one of the only profitable, like self perpetuating. Uh, government enterprises and then the Republicans killed it by making them having to pay for pensions for 75 years and then we put oh. DeJoy who ran a completely alternative you know an opposing company in charge of it so yeah I I, yeah. I, I agree the post office is great it just sucks that yeah. you know all those, other, all those other things I said post, post office good those turkeys not good alright I'm, I'm anti-turkey and pro post office and that's the final word thank you post office we love you thank okay. you for the zines okay. just, cozy and comfy okay. with my zines oh. love it <laughs> Okay. Okay. All right. See you all next time. Bye. Bye. I just felt like I was giving you guys lots of space to jump in and agree, and you were not agreeing. Uh Uh-huh.